All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show with zero qualifications, zero credentials, and uh, just about zero time left in the day because there is just so much happening right now. We hit a nice little lull, so I'm recording this now to put out later tonight. Originally it said Wednesday and Friday, but seems like after the initial surge of deals came through, got a little bit of time until we got to see the next one. Um, just to be safe, I have got my phone in a different spot than usual. Usually I set it back behind me so it does not distract me. Today, I'm going to need all the updates I can to make sure this is the most current uh, information available. So if any deals come through, got my phone right on my belly here as I record. So I will let you know as it happens in real time as, as I'm recording anyways. But anyways, I'm your host, Caleb Verzak, and you can follow me on my socials at, uh, you guessed it, Caleb Verzak. Difficult one to guess there. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of having a unique last name. You can really just own that at, and there's not really a whole lot of competition for it because I think there's probably only uh, one Caleb Verzak within this time zone. I would I probably uh, ventured to guess. Either way, this was supposed to be a combine recap episode, but I was made aware that the uh, quote unquote legal tampering period for unrestricted free agents starts at noon on Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me. I.e., free agency may technically start Wednesday. Most of the big-time players are going to agree to deals in principle before then, except for Aaron Rodgers, apparently. We'll get to that in just a second. So, I'm putting Combine on the back burner for a week. Probably get back to that next week on either Tuesday or Thursday. Those are the only two options, so that would make sense. Um, a lot, a lot happened over the weekend, and even more is going to happen uh, really throughout the course of this week. So, Seriously, just getting you caught up on what's happening since Thursday will probably take up maybe this entire episode. So we'll put a pin on the combine combo, then pick it up when the news slows down slightly next week. Until then, enough dilly-dallying. We got a lot to talk about. So before we get into the football stuff, let's touch on the Mississippi State basketball update. And I'm going to keep this brief because we got a lot more stuff happening in my wheelhouse, so no need to waste time. Uh, so first off, we got the women's team. After losing right off the bat in the SEC tournament, the women's team's tournament hopes were a little bit up in the air, but they did, in fact, make the cut on Selection Sunday. They are one of two 11 seeds in the Greenville region, and since there can only be one in the actual tournament when it kicks off or tips off in this sport, uh, that means the women will be playing in a playing game on Wednesday evening in South Bend versus an under-seated Illinois squad from what I've been told. The people who know the sport, basically just the 24-7 sports uh, Mississippi State beat reporter Robbie Falk over there uh, says this is a tough draw for the women, but you can't really control who you play, so so long as the ladies walk away with a win, I'll be happy. But at the end of the day, even being at this point, it's a win for Sam Purcell and this program in year one. Excited to see uh, where it goes from here. Any additional success, just gravy on top from this point going forward. So couldn't really be happier with that program over there. On the men's side, after eking out a win over Florida on Thursday, very entertaining game. I was moving a tree. Interesting sentence there, but I was... Cutting up, well, help not cutting up, but I was moving some logs, being a, a fresh young body in the most non-perverted way possible, uh, moving a tree from point A to point B, point B being in the back of the house with the firewood. So, missed most of this game, that's the point of saying that to you, I just wasn't talking about living my best lumberjack life there for a day. No, I'm telling you, I missed most of this game because I was helping out move that tree. Did catch overtime, and boy, was it something, it was butt puckering, I'll tell you what, man, but... They got the win, 
got boat raced by Alabama the next day. Men's team finds itself in a nearly identical situation to their female counterparts. They are one of the two 11 seeds in the Midwest region and have a date with Pitt tonight as I am recording this, actually. Uh, so we'll have to see who competes in the round of 64. Hopefully it's both of those teams, but not both the teams. That, you know what I'm saying. Both both the Mississippi State teams. Let's, let's not get it all mi- mixed up. Uh, some weird rumors have surfaced on me- message boards, so take that with a grain of salt, uh, that Chris Jans might not love being in Starkville, but he's, he's not going to take the Wichita State job. Uh, that's been widely reported by Jeff Goodman at the very least. And reportedly will return to Mississippi State next year. So that might just be a big old pile of nothing when it's all said and done. And I would, I would lean towards that because message boards, this is why I don't frequent message boards. I, I tend to believe uh, a little bit too much what I hear when it comes to the scuttlebutt. Maybe not believe, but take it uh, for what it's worth and then just kind of move forward. I, I try to filter that stuff out of my life because often it's all bullshit and it, it feels like that's the case here. Uh, regardless of that, to get the worst three-point shooting team in the entire nation, I think it's either worst or second worst, to 21 wins, most by a first-year head coach in program history, by the way, and a berth in the 68-team tournament field. I mean, it's nothing short of remarkable for Chris Jans in year one. He is an excellent coach, really worked with what he had, leaned into the defense a little bit more, and slowly worked the offense up to where it's, it's not good still. It's still not very good, but it's much better than what it was to start the season. And he just got a big boost with, an, with the all-time leading scorer in Mississippi high school history, Josh Hubbard, decommitting from Ole Miss after they fired their head coach and committing to Mississippi State on Monday Big time, big time ad. We needed offense. We got offense. Huge get for Chris Jans heading into the future. That's a four-star prospect that we're bringing in. I am worried about some of the rumblings I've been hearing, but I'm damn excited about the future of this program under Chris Jans. So there you have it. Two teams, uh, two teams that are in the play-in games. Hopefully both of them win so I can watch them on Thursday, Friday, whenever they play uh, in the first round of the tournament. With that, though... It is time to get into the football because we have a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. First off, biggest news in a weekend of very big news across the NFL. The Panthers move up to number one for an absolute king's ransom. Here's the the compensation. Panthers get the number one pick. Bears get basically everything the Panthers know and love. I mean, they gave up the number nine pick, duh. Uh, Number 61 pick, that's in the second round this year. A 2024 first, a 2025 second. And there's a kicker. Uh, Here's the kicker anyways. Pro Bowl wide receiver DJ Moore will head to Chicago in this deal. I mean, technically it's not the three first round picks that Ryan Poles said he wanted, but DJ Moore is worth more than just a future first rounder. He's now the number one receiver for a Bears team that desperately needed one, and Poles was able to extract multiple seconds out of Scott Fitter, that being the, the Panthers GM. It appears as though C.J. Stroud is a leader in the clubhouse. He's now down to minus money. I'm guessing someone in the sports books has good sources there with the Panthers, and they spread the word around to their buddies. So either someone's leaking out some BS or C.J. Stroud is the presumptive number one overall pick. But we can't discount the fact that the Panthers were extremely, and I mean enough to to put the information out there, extremely impressed with what Anthony Richardson did in his interview at the Combine. Um, if you ask the sports book, CJ Stroud is, uh, number one, foregone, foregone conclusion at number one, but I don't think it's quite that cut and dry. I think they could very easily shock some people, take Anthony Richardson, number one, overall, 
from the Bears' perspective, this is probably the best-case scenario for a trade back. I mean, even better than a three-first-round pick scenario. Uh, from a Panthers' perspective, feels like Scott Fitterer just traded his house for a new car, which, if you know anything about basic economics, not a great idea. DJ Moore was the only wide receiver with even a modicum of consistent production, and they sent him down the river to trade up and draft a quarterback doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trade your number the only real good wide receiver you have consistent wide receiver i mean some of them could turn into good but we'll, we'll leave that to the side for now the one consistent wide receiver you had you just sent him down the river and you're going to bring in a quarterback doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my my mind at the very least and the offensive staff carolina has put together is admittedly impressive but they're either going to have to overpay someone in free agency um and have about a hundred percent hit rate in the draft or both to make up for what they lose in more walking out the door. This is just the latest in a long-running series of head-scratching moves by Scott Fitterer. Credit to him for drafting the defensive talent that they got over there and they have in place now, but outside of the offensive line and that, it's it's been a bunch of misses for, for Fitterer on offense. Not a single skill position player drafted since Fitterer took over in 2021 has really looked that impressive when it gets right down to it. And not to mention, this is a guy who traded three draft picks to get Sam Darnold from the Jets when I almost guarantee there was no one else given that sort of package to go get Sam Darnold after the way, after the way he played with the Jets. All of this is to say, I do not have a lot of faith in Scott Fitterer to replenish the cupboard, so to speak, this offseason. Open to being proven wrong, as I always am, but I do not have a, I don't have a whole lot of high uh, thoughts when it comes to Scott Fitterer. He has not impressed me one time since he took over with Matt Rule in 2021. But don't worry, the Panthers have said they may trade back from number one to recoup some of what they lost, so it definitely sounds like Fitterer knows what he's doing over there. That's certainly a move. I mean, they, you're, you're playing 3D chess now, man, or 4D chess now, man. I mean, you're moving up to number one, trading back to number two or three. Definitely sounds like you made a didn't make a mistake in trading up to number one with the package you sent, that's for sure. Still not entirely sure how this guy survived after Matt Rule got the axe, but... You can feel the desperation to keep his job in this move. Good luck to Frank Reich and whichever poor soul the Panthers draft to play QB next season. If nothing else, you got an offensive line there. We'll get to that in just a second. Up next, we have got Jalen Ramsey on the move to Miami being traded from the Rams over this weekend. I think this came through on Sunday. And as expected... Les Snead is starting to have an inkling, maybe, that draft picks may sometimes actually matter, and Jalen Ramsey was the biggest tradable asset in the cupboard, so he wasted no time in getting this one done before free agency. Also worth noting, he offloaded, like, actually, when it was all said and done, when he get with the dead cap differential, I think he only cleared up, like, $6 million in cap, so... Dolphins sent a third rounder in this year's draft and tight end Hunter Long, who is more of a blocking tight end anyways, to the Rams. And um, now they have Jalen Ramsey to pair opposite of Xavier Howard. It, it feels like maybe Les Snead got fleeced in this one, but I also don't know what the other offers were looking like uh, to get Jalen Ramsey from the Rams. I would imagine if they got a better offer, Les Snead would have taken that. So that's just kind of more indicative of the market than actually being fleeced, I suppose. It's not quite the pairing it would have been three years ago with Howard and, and Ramsey, but Ramsey Howard is still 
one of the most fearsome cornerback duos in the league right now. I mean, the Dolphins also fully guaranteed Ramsey's 2023 and 2024 salaries, uh, an average of $20 million per year over the next two seasons, and that's an additional $25 million in guarantees from what it was before the trade, uh, according to Ian Rappaport. Big time, big time, big time get for the Dolphins after the release of Byron Jones. Not that I mean, given given the reports that he put out himself about what the injury recovery has looked at, maybe not the biggest loss in the world from an on-field standpoint anymore, but a hell of a replacement. I mean, a massive upgrade in Jalen Ramsey. Less need, re, needed Ramsey's salary off the books before free agency, and the Dolphins took advantage of that desperation to work out a pretty sweet deal. Great move by GM Chris Greer down there in Miami, continuing to go all in to win one the next year or two uh, before Tua eventually is off his rookie deal and you either got to pay him or draft another quarterback. But great, great pickup. They were not done in Miami from what I understand, but we'll get to that in just a second. Up next, Aaron Rodgers still in the process of aligning his chakras to come to a decision. Mark Murphy sounds like he's made up his mind, though. Aaron Rodgers was coy about his impending decision on whether or not to join the Jets when cornered by Brandon Marshall. I don't know what sort of event he was at. It looked like he was at some sort of athletic event, but, you know, good work by Brandon Marshall to see him, get him out there, get him in front of a camera, because no one else can seem to outside of Aubrey Mar- Marcus uh, talking about weird hallucinogen shit and yaya hippie bullshit. You know, you know, I, I, you can tell I definitely buy into all that stuff that Aaron Rodgers does off the field, but another story for another time. Didn't give up any info, did Rodgers, but said it won't be long, quote, which sounds strikingly similar to what he said before going into the darkness and coming out of the darkness and, you know, every, every time in between. Won't be long. Here in the next couple months or so, I'll get you an answer. Uh, Mark Murphy had a lot of, quote-unquote, front office speak in a, in a short interview with Adriana Torres of the Green Bay ABC affiliate, but for a front office guy... He really didn't hide the team's intention going forward. This is a direct quote. Very few players play for one team. Obviously, Brett had a good career. Aaron had a good career here. That's end quote. Then ended the interview by saying it wasn't even really an interview. He was at like a a local girls basketball, I think high school girls basketball tournament. And uh, reporter just doing a lot of legwork there, getting in where she can, getting some answers where she can. A little two-minute interview, uh, wrapped it up by saying Jordan Love is ready to take over as the starter. Not a direct quote, but basically uh, Adriana Torres said or asked him, do you think Jordan Love is ready? And he basically just said, yeah, yeah, he's ready to start and take over this team. Coach has done a good job developing him. So they seem to be moving forward. Rodgers can take as long as he wants, but this feels remarkably similar to the Brett Favre situation at this point. The organization's ready to turn the page regardless of what Aaron Rodgers feels at this point. They'll make it work if he wants to come back, but at this point, it's almost a foregone conclusion. The options feel like either retirement or go ring chase for a year with the Jets before testing free agency or signing an extension. And I'm not going to say it outright just yet, but I I will whisper it. I told you the Packers were going to trade Aaron Rodgers, but that's... We can't say that loud until it's all until it's all through. So I just got to say it quietly and until the the trade actually happens. Which as of right now, let me check the phone. Nope, still hasn't happened yet. So still waiting. Packers are still a little bit out <laughs> out, on, out on a limb here, waiting for a decision. So are the Jets, but the Jets are in in full on uh, wooing mode, trying to get Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. We'll get to all that and more here in just a bit. Now. 
get into some of the roster moves over the course of the weekend. Jets cut a wide receiver kick returner, Braxton Berrios. He will be picked up by someone great returner, even if his offensive contributions are minimal when it's all said. And they're really just a jet sweep guy and run nines because he's a fast-ass white boy. He's an X-factor. Yeah, an X factor that someone will take a flyer on. I assure you just don't know who it is at this point. And the wide receiver market is shaken out to a point where he's probably going to have to wait a while because there's a lot of guys in front of him uh, that have to get paid first. Uh, Next up, Jets also acquired Ravens starting safety Chuck Clark for late round compensation. Great defense, just got even better. Chuck Clark probably going to slate right in there and start day one. I don't know. I admittedly don't know who the starting safeties are for the Jets are, but I'm sure they can find room for a quality starter like Chuck Clark back there. Um, Modest compensation for for what Chuck Clark has done for the Ravens over the past couple years. I think there has been a few injury concerns here and there, and they're probably about to have to pay him anyways. So I guess it makes sense from an economic standpoint, especially if you are preparing yourself to match any contract offer that comes in for Lamar Jackson, within reason, of course. So, uh, good pickup by the Jets. We'll have to keep moving, though. Not the not the trade that everyone was expecting uh, at that point in time, but we're still waiting on that guy. I'm not going to rehash that whole thing. Up uh, next, teams are not allowed to negotiate with Lamar Jackson until March 15th. That's something I learned over the weekend, and it's a little bit more nuanced than I originally expected. He's it's not like in the legal tampering period where he's an unrestricted free agent. He can uh, agree to a deal but not sign just yet. That's the caveat for right now. They can't sign things until Wednesday rolls around. So they're just agreeing to deals right now. But Lamar Jackson can't even do that because he's still technically, well, not technically, they franchise tagged him. He is under contract even if he has not signed the tender just yet. So we won't be getting any announcement until at least then, uh, March 15th, that is, tomorrow as I'm recording this. But let's be honest, Lamar Jackson probably has a proxy or two out there gauging interest from prospective suitors on the down low because everyone does. Uh, you think all those guys who announced deals at 1230 on Monday hammered out that framework over the course of 30 minutes? No, don't be naive. This is rule breaking season and the teams who are the best at skirting those rules uh, on the down low often get the first crack at free agents. That's why you see uh, Bill Belichick announcing deals 15, 20 minutes after the illegal tampering period is over because they've been in talks with this guy. Well, we'll get to that in just a second. A little bit different situation there, but you understand. They, there, there's a reason these deals are dropping right away once we start free agency is because they've been talking for a minute now. Uh, that being said, this is a uniquely challenging situation to land Lamar Jackson. In theory, he could just come in, come in, come to terms with Lamar, pay the Piper his, his two first-round picks, then go on your merry way. But the Ravens... We'll have five days to match once a deal is agreed to. That means you can agree in principle, but ultimately it will take you out of the running to pick up any of the remaining starting Gallagher quarterbacks, which already off the board anyways for the most part. So what do you have to lose anymore? Uh, if, if, if you want to go after a starting caliber quarterback, you probably would have done that already, but it will take you out of the running for anyone else pretty much if you if you offer the contract and have to wait those five days. And on top of that, there's a suspicion among teams that Ravens will end up matching most offers within reason. So whoever agrees to a deal with Lamar Jackson might end up shit out of luck after five days of waiting. That affects everything that acquiring team does in free agency, not just the quarterback position. By March 20th, I would imagine 
most big time free agents will be off the board. Most of them were off the board on day one. Many more will be off the board on day two. I'm just in a nice little lull here. So I found time to record and let y'all know what's happening right this very second. But this is a big time gamble for whoever gets in on the negotiation. It's a gamble that make no bones about it. And don't, don't get it twisted here. It's a gamble I'd take in a goddamn heartbeat. I mean, sure, we got Kirk Cousins there just in case it all falls through, but I'll tell you right now, I will I will pay the piper, take that gamble, and maybe pay the first the, the two first round pick uh prize there if in fact it turns out that um Maybe I would get Lamar Jackson, who is a former MVP, entering the prime of his career. Sure, he's got maybe the injury risk because he's more uh, run-prone, is a dynamic runner at that, but I'll take all the risk you give me right now. I mean, he is an elite quarterback who's a guy that, if you put him in the right situation and build an offense around him, hell, maybe not even in the right situation, but if you build an offense around him, you're going to have the best running game in the league, and the passing game is going to be very efficient most times. So give me that. 10 times out of 10. Uh, With that, though, we might see an enterprising suitor get their offer in early. Wouldn't anticipate a Lamar Jackson move until after the initial wave of free agency, which in all likelihood, probably going to be mostly done by the time uh, tomorrow rolls around anyway. So might as well just put put in an offer right off the bat on March 15th. You know, I mean, might as well. That way teams can go out after the position players they covet before circling around uh, to see if they can land Lamar Jackson, which they're kind of in that spot already for the most part. I mean, hell, the Bears have picked up like four or five players on day one of free agency, and they're probably, I mean, they're not done yet, but they're probably getting close to wrapping things up over there, if I had to guess. So a lot of teams are opening up some some room uh, to maybe land Lamar Jackson. We'll just have to see who ends up doing it, or if anyone ends up doing it. I would be shocked if no one put in an offer, though. I'll put it that way. Uh, up next, as expected, the Bucks released linebacker Levante David. Talked about that last week there briefly. And the free agent linebacker class. It is Looney Tunes. Just a top-line look at the names on the market here. Uh, Bill star Tremaine Edmonds. Bobby Wagner. Remember, he's no longer with the Rams. Levante David, of course. Uh, David Long from the Titans. Eric Kendricks, formerly of the Vikings. Bobby O'Karake, uh, big-time linebacker from the Colts. You may not quite remember just because Indianapolis was so terrible last year. Had a very good season, though. Uh, TJ Edwards, formerly of the Eagles. We'll get to that here in really just a second. Uh, Jermaine Pratt, of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Drew Tranquil. Yep, that's easy for me to say. Drew Tranquil, as it's really pronounced, uh, from the Chargers. Leighton Vander Esch from the Cowboys. Aziz Al-Shair, my favorite name in the NFL, I think, uh, of the 49ers. Rashawn Evans of, you know what, we've reached the end of my knowledge. I don't remember who Rashawn Evans played for last year. Caden Ellis of... I believe the Saints, and Quan Alexander, I think also of the Saints at that point. Oh, also Devin Bush, Alex Anzalone, Kaiser White, and more that I didn't even get to. Shout out to Ari Mirov for that list, which he probably copied and pasted from someone else anyways, but let the copy and paste chain continue. If someone liked to copy and paste that from my words, probably let more low effort ways to do it, but I wholeheartedly endorse it here. Solid year to be in the market for an off-ball linebacker, though. That's that's the point of that whole thing, and many, many, many of them went off the board on the first day. Um, <clears throat> up next, though, one we didn't quite get to, but um, it's probably going to end up being nothing more than anything else. Zadarius Smith asked to be released 
by the Vikings. The Vikings are not expected to do so, though. I mean, makes sense on both sides. Smith sees a weak free agent pass rusher market uh, that he could cash in on, get a little bit more than the $15 million a year he is currently making. And on the other side, the Vikings don't want to let an elite pass rusher just walk out the door, especially on a team-friendly deal that he's on right now. Sure, they could save a lot of cap, and they are currently dead last in cap space among uh, the 32 teams right now, 32 out of 32. So they could use the cap space, but... I'd rather have the player than the cap space in this situation. I understood it with Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks. I I feel like having Zadarius Smith is a little bit more important right now, though. My guess is this ends with a slight pay bump for Smith, which will likely be converted into a signing bonus for cap considerations. And I don't see Smith going anywhere. He's too important to that Brian Flores uh, scheme and what he wants to accomplish on that defense. I, I think he's going to end up being in Minnesota next year, though probably with a, a good degree of consternation in the process. Vikings are a very professional organization, though. If you if you trust the NFLPA report cards, maybe the most professional organization in the entire league. So I got faith in them to figure this thing out. Up next, OBJ turned turned some heads at his private workout in Arizona uh, to start the re- weekend there. I think it was on Friday when it was staging this workout big time smart big brain move for OBJ I'm sure many prospective suitors were adequately spooked by how OBJ's free agency went last season and they needed to see that his knee was healthy before committing big money to bring him in a little bit longer timeline than usual but he's a little bit on the older side of things and no injuries the exact same so you want to be as sure as possible that it's 100% before we get back. And OBJ has no shortage of funds uh, to make sure that he doesn't necessarily need to work all of last year. So I understand why he didn't sign with anybody and also understand why the Cowboys didn't end up signing during the year, but I digress. So he goes out, makes some hard cuts to show his knee is stable, runs some deep routes to show he's still got the speed and the hands, of course, catching those, at least one of those deep routes with one hand, and it just stuck there. I mean, he's still, that's never going to go away. One of the best sets of hands in the entire league. Now he's got several teams interested to bring him in. And obviously, like I said before, or alluded to before, wide receiver market is moving slowly so it might be a little bit longer than expected before he and ends up signing with a team <clears throat> excuse me just i mean the mucus is just attacking my throat with reckless abandon here i, I apologize but not sure obj will get in the will go rather in the first wave of free agent signings but once the top receivers are off the board whenever that the hell that happens I don't think he'll be waiting long, especially in a weaker free agent pool at the wide receiver position. OBJ really helped himself by staging this workout. I think he ends up on a team well before OTAs, if I had to imagine. Someone's going to pick him up in this, in this maybe not initial wave, but the, the wave right after the initial wave. Someone call it even the second wave of free agency uh, coming up here. Uh, up next, though, looking forward to seeing where OBJ turn, ends up going to uh, put a pin in that for now. Brock Purdy finally has his surgery to repair the UCL, and it is a repair, not a restructure. So the six-ish month uh, timeline for recovery holds. He will likely not be ready for the start of the season. I'd be shocked if he was and probably won't start when he is ready just because Trey Lance is in there. So expect the Niners to sign a veteran backup to bridge the gap in the meantime. And that's a drum roll. It's it's like it's it's finger fingers on a on a desk chair, but it's imagine that's a drum roll right there. Now they have signed their man. They got that darn stud, Sam Darnold, in the building to be that veteran backup, which, given the play style of Trey Lance, makes sense. It makes a lot of sense to have a guy like that in there. Also, I think. 
I don't know if Kyle Shanahan has ever rolled with a with a quarterback that he can really use consistently in the run game. Both Trey Lance and Sam Darnold are guys that you can do that with. You can do that to a certain extent with Brock Purdy. He's not immobile. He can move around and extend plays, obviously, and be solid on occasion in the run game. But he's just not he's not the physical presence that Trey Lance is. And Sam Darnold firmly in the sneaky fast category he is legitimately fast out there and had some really solid rushing games with the Panthers specifically so I think that's kind of the mold they're looking at there in picking up Sam Darnold but it's a backup quarterback so I'm not going to waste any more breath when we got 13 more pages of names to get to uh, up next Saints signed key special teamer JT Gray to a two uh, not two year three year deal to stay in New Orleans and uh, selfishly I only put this one in here to say and I quote Hail State, baby. It's it's good to see a former Mississippi State Bulldog getting paid. Wasn't sure that Gray's NFL future uh, would be all that bright when I watched him play in college, but he has carved out a nice career for himself and done uh, done so close to home when he, when he gets to that. So it just warms my heart, quite frankly. I mean, congrats to JT Gray and his family for getting the bag, and I will leave it at that. I think he got like $9 million or something like that to basically just play special teams. Absolute maven at that, and I think he's probably going to have a long career doing so. So shout out to JT Gray over there in New Orleans. Uh, up next, Vikings continue to shed cap as they release longtime fan favorite, uh, and Vikings great at that, Adam Thielen after nine seasons and... Simply put, it was time. His average separation on routes was one of the worst in the league, if not dead last in in many categories uh, among qualified receivers last season. And his salary was just, it's too much to stomach, just too high at this stage of his career. And in the cap hell that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa found himself, this is a move that unfortunately needed to happen because there's still $9 million over the cap uh, with what they've got, they've done so far. They're still going to have to shed uh, someone somewhere. Next one might be Harrison Smith, unfortunately. That being said, I knew this was probably going to happen, but God damn it, it, it still hurts uh, knowing that Adam Thielen won't be a Viking anymore. This is a guy who played for Mankato State in college. That is where the Vikings have their training camp every year. Basically needed a D2 combine workout uh, to catch the attention of the Vikings uh, who signed him to a sp- to be a special teamer under Mike Zimmer. And once he got his foot in the door, he just worked his ass off to go from Firstly, a guy who Mike Zimmer never expected to be any more than a gunner on the punt team to a rotational wide receiver to eventually becoming a starter to becoming one of the better wide receivers in the league at his peak. Then obviously age has caught up to him to a certain extent, but this guy has spent his entire life in the state of Minnesota and the Vikings faithful have adored him for that. I'm, I'm, I count myself as one of them. I love Adam Thielen just for his entire story, his his commitment to the Vikings over such a long period of time. He will be sorely missed in Minneapolis by basically everyone I met. I don't know if there's anyone in the entire world that has a bad thing to say about Adam Thielen uh, off the field. Regardless of his on-field abilities at this stage in his career, Adam Thielen is going to make some receiving cores much better with his presence in the, in the receiver room. He'll make the young receivers better via, via his mentor mentorship and it'll keep the morale high at all times for everyone else because he's just that kind of dude his best days on the field 
might be past him, but he still has a couple seasons at least to go ring chase and make teams better behind the scenes. I would love to see him end up on a contender and, and make a run at it again because he deserves it. I think all these guys that are leaving the Minnesota Vikings deserve it. I'm a little bit biased in that, obviously, but I mean, they, they spent so long on this Vikings team, probably won like one or two postseason games in their time. Def only went to one one uh, NFC championship in that time. They deserve a real crack at a championship contention. So hopefully, I mean, we'll talk about Eric Kendricks in a bit. He's going to get that opportunity. Hope Adam Thielen has that same opportunity as well. Up next, Titans are releasing starting center Ben Jones, latest in a series of cap casualties in Tennessee as the new front office regime under Rand Carthon, my favorite Star Wars character, continues to clear the deck for a rebuild going forward. And... I love offensive line play. I love the big boys killing people, but I must admit I'm not the most um, technologically knowledgeable when it when it comes to the nuances of offensive line positions. Trust the big boys who've been there before for that sort of analysis. Uh, ben Jones will get picked up somewhere, but Titans had to make cuts somewhere else. Um, Titans are really making a strong case for being the number one overall pick next year. I just don't think Mike Vrabel's going to let them do that. That's, I mean, they can they can have a box of screws and some bubble gum over there. He's going to make a palatial three-story mansion out of that some way or another. It might not be a playoff team, but I have I always have a hard time seeing the Titans win less than seven games generally, just because Mike Vrabel's that type of coach. Um, up next, Brandon Graham signs a one-year deal to remain with the Eagles for a 14th consecutive season. Only team he's ever played for just came off a season where he racked up a career high, in fact, 11 sacks in his 13th year. This makes sense for both sides, and I'm glad to see it happen. Great locker room guy and one of the very few left from that 2018 Super Bowl run. Actually, I don't really know what's happening with Fletcher Cox, but he might be one of like one or two guys left from that uh, from that initial run. Uh, I think Lane Johnson might have been there as well, so maybe like three of them. Thinning out fast over there in Philadelphia. They got a hell of a front office, though, so I'm not all that worried. Uh, up next, staying in Philadelphia. Why not? Darius Slay has been given permission to seek a trade. And no trade has materialized as of writing this, and the Eagles still remain a candidate to keep him. Slay should be a hot commodity in a league where corners are quickly becoming one of the most coveted positions on the field, though. So nothing has materialized as of yet. Um, many of the top corners in free agency are now off the board, so talks may start heating up for Darius Slay uh, coming up here soon. I, I don't know. I, I still kind of think that he stays with the uh, with the Eagles when it's all said and done. It, it, it always seems like Howie Roseman tends to keep the guys that he needs to keep, and he certainly needs to keep Darius Slay going into the next season. I will be interested to see how that goes, especially with how free agency has gone for them so far. They've lost a lot of guys, but we'll get to that in just a second. All right, we're making some good time here, but let's 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 hit the gas a little bit, shall we? Dolphins pick up Tua Tungavailoa's fifth-year option, i.e. after this move and uh, the Ramsey trade. A lot of cap taken up there. Don't expect the Dolphins to be one of the suitors to bring in Lamar Jackson. They've said as much openly uh, as soon as last week, but don't hate the move conceptually. Uh, $23.2 Still an absolute bargain for a starting level quarterback, and I think the entire league took note of the situation, the bind really, that the Giants put themselves in by not picking up Daniel Jones's fifth-year option. They could be paying some 
20 million a year next year and they'd have a little bit more flexibility to go out and sign Saquon Barkley to a long-term deal if they would have picked up that fifth-year option. Now they had to, they had to franchise Saquon, they had to sign Daniel Jones to a contract that they're still not entirely sure he's worth at $40 million a year. I think the league took note of that. Worst case scenario though, Tua still can't stay healthy and you have to eat another year of salary, but you won't be put in the, in the limbo that the Giants were, uh, where they were ultimately forced to commit big dollars to a guy they still aren't 100% sold on. Best case scenario, to a place out of his mind next year, and you'll be able to retain him for an absolute bargain on that fifth-year option. This is the less risky of the two options, but I've made no bones about how I feel. I question whether Tua Tonga-Vailoa has the ability to keep himself out of harm's way. I've just seen it too many times. He said as much in interviews, and it's been emphasized to him by the coaching staff, it seems like, over and over and over. The team goes as the quarterback goes, and he cannot put himself in situations to get hurt. And then what does he do? He just goes out there, sees a play he can make with his legs, sees red, lowers his head right into a linebacker. And I hate to break it to you, Tua, you're not a plus athlete at the NFL level, so that linebacker is going to win most times, even if you have a, a hard pop at the finish there. It's not going to be worth it in the long run. He's got to find a way to run out of bounds, but ultimately this is probably the way to go, but I'm I'm far from sold on to his long-term viability as a starter. Not because of what he's done on the field necessarily with decision-making, accuracy. I think he's very good in both of those facets, but when it comes to choosing when not to take a hit which should be basically all the time he chooses not to take a hit he has not consistently made the right choice in that uh in that category so i fuck with the vision i think it's the safe way to go still not entirely sold but jumping slightly ahead they also signed uh white mike the white mike himself to a two-year 16 million dollar deal to be a backup sneaky good insurance policy actually if tua can't stay healthy mike white played very solidly for the jets when he was active to i think objectively better than what zach wilson played when he was in there not a high bar but worth noting at the very least he made himself a good amount of money in those uh in those reps if you will also, I'm going to throw this in here because it's important, but not worth its own headline later in the podcast. Raheem Mostert re-signed with the team on a two-year deal, yet to be seen if they'll be able to bring back Jeff Wilson as well, but it'll probably cost them uh, not a whole lot uh, when, it's all get, when it's all said and done if they want to bring Wilson back. So it's, it's on the table. I could also see them drafting someone as well, though. Devon A-Chain, think about what he is at... I think just a shade under 200 pounds, running the fastest 40 at the combine for a running back 4-3-2. Uh, and I think he might even be faster than that. I mean, Devon A-Chain is basically everything Mike McDaniel wants and needs, dreams about even, uh, as, a, as a running back. So that might be a name to watch for them as well. Now the question is, though, will Mike McDaniel incorporate that running game in the offense better uh, in year two call-in plays? Yet to be seen, but we'll have to we'll have to put a pin in that till that until really the season starts up. Also, this one coming right across the wire. Uh, no extension for Kirk Cousins. That is important to note, and I don't think there is going to be one coming. So QB is on the menu uh, over there with the with the Minnesota Vikings. They did restructure Kirk Cousins' contract, though, reduces his salary cap number to sixteen million for twenty twenty three. I would assume they converted a lot to signing bonus. They are now officially cap compliant. They are below the cap, so no longer uh, a nine million dollar deficit they got to make up to get under this. 
likely, well, I don't know about likely. I don't want to put the car before the horse here, but Harrison Smith may end up when it's all said and done staying with the team. So love to hear that. Love to hear that absolutely all the time. Uh, anyways, back to the reg- regularly scheduled programming. Longtime Patriots staple in the secondary, Devin McCourty announces his retirement. And I'll keep this one brief. Great de- Great defensive back, three-time champion, uh, one of the one of the greats in in this era of the New England Patriots. Um, yeah, I mean, good good for him. Good long career. I would assume him and his brother can can take rest days. Uh, if if Jason doesn't feel like going into NFL Network one day, I bet Devin can just come in and and fill in seamlessly. They might be asking, maybe this guy's ask, acting a little bit differently from from the, the, the Jason McCourty I know. But, hey, if Jason McCourty just wants to take a day off and Devin McCourty is bored, I think that's definitely an option they can do now that Devin McCourty is officially retired. But uh, good for him going out on his own terms to a certain extent. I, I would imagine it was either take a pay cut or or retire uh, from Bill Belichick. That's just the way things go around there in New England. But, uh, yeah, good, good for him for ending off his career in a good way. Up next, Broncos release running back Chase Edmonds, cornerback Ronald Darby, and guard Graham Glasgow to clear up cap space. Tough time to be a free agent running back in the NFL, uh, but Darby will likely land on his feet on the, on the other hand there. Uh, like I said in relation to Darius Slay, cornerback is the one most coveted position, one of the most coveted positions, excuse me, on the football field, and Darby still has got some juice left in the tank, so I expect a fairly robust market for Ronald Darby's services. Not sure how Glasgow performed last year, but he fits the perfect mold for a future Viking. I'll tell you that right now. He's a guard always need a guard he's on the back end back end of his career and that's two things that the vikings always seem to go for gets him hot under the collar so i would expect his name to be in the free agent mix for quasi adolfo mensa not in the least because i also think graham glasgow gonna be cheap and we need we need cheap additions on this team so why not i don't know no news on that uh to this point but wouldn't be surprised if graham glasgow ended up in minnesota next season also, Steelers release cornerback William Jackson for cap considerations. Here's another guy who will not have to wait long to find a new team. Jackson is one of the top corners on the market with this move, and I think he is still on the market, so he might be the top corner that's still out there right now. I don't think you'll have to wait too, too much longer uh, right now. But also, Patriots, getting back to that Patriots team, release punter Jake Bailey. Not entirely sure why they signed him to an extension in August to cut him in March, but... Here we are, I guess. Not a sexy name, but a solid punter for many years in an adverse situation for kicking over there in New England. You know the the Northeast isn't exactly an ideal spot to kick come wintertime. Hell, even in fall, the winds are always whipping up there, so have to see if Jake Bailey can find himself in a better situation, a little bit little bit uh, better climate to go into, and I think he'll still be right at the top of his game. This is just kind of, kind of how things go for punters. They're highly replaceable and um, don't want to pay too much to him, unfortunately. So that's that, that's the cold calculating Bill, Bill Belichick we know and love. Might not fly off the board, will Jake Bailey, but he will land on his feet for a team that needs his services. I can assure you of that. I mean, Sam Martin, my God, he was... He was unemployed up until the very last second, until Matt Ariza came in and, and, well, got accused of doing what he did and had to be cut. And now Sam Martin just got signed to a new extension. We'll get to that in just a second. But it just goes to show you, it doesn't really matter when you get signed by a, by a team. just matters if they need you or not in the, in the punting and kicking world. I'll put a pin in that for now, though, because we don't got time. Wide receiver Robert Woods signs a two-year deal with the Texans. That's $15.25 million. Uh, $10 million of that guaranteed. Seems like a 
bit of a rich price to pay for Woods' services at this point in his career, but expect him to be used in a lot of pre-stat motion, much like he was when he was playing his best ball with the Rams. Think about Bobby Slovic coming in there. Slovic, Slovic. I still don't know how to pronounce his fucking name, but here we are. Um, the, the main thing you got to understand is, though, coming from that Shanahan sort of tree, if you will. Shanahan uses more motion than just about anyone else in the league. And I think Robert Woods is going to be the motion man in a lot of senses uh, in that, that way down with Houston. Yet to be seen if the money is well spent, but... I like the conceptualize. I like I like the conceptual nature of it, if nothing else. And pretty much anyone you pick up is an upgrade in the wide receiver room, given the situation over there. So don't hate the move. Just yet to be seen whether it's money well spent. Uh, up next, Saints retain tight end Juwan Howard after a breakout season. Juwan Howard, that would be the coach of the Michigan Wolverines right now. I'm talking about Juwan Johnson, tight end for the Saints. We're back to reality now. Uh, deal is for two years, $12 million with 8.5 guaranteed. Uh, maximum value of $14.5 million with escalators in the contract. Absolute steal for the Saints right here. It's an extending player. This is just a situation where you pay him now. So... He, one, doesn't get the price driven up on the open market, and two, so you don't have to pay him more later in the in the event that he has an even better season in 2023. I'm all about players going and getting their money, but I do understand this is a smart move by the Saints to sign him now to a team-friendly sort of deal. I don't, I mean, again, I would love to see Juwan Johnson get all the money in the world, but I understand this from a Saints perspective as well. Uh, Panthers retain starting inside linebacker Shaq Thompson on a two-year deal. This will be his ninth season with the Panthers, and I think they're bringing back most of, <clears throat> excuse me, most if not all of the key starters on that defense that was ascending last year and is only getting better through this free agency. We'll get to more of that in just a minute. Uh, big deal over the weekend, right at the buzzer before the free agency open. Commies reached a blockbuster deal with franchise to defensive tackle Duran Payne, not Darren. Duran Payne to keep him in Washington. It's a four-year, $90 million deal with $60 million of that gay Ron Teed. This was a somewhat, une somewhat expected move, not unexpected, expect, sorry, by the commies, but they got across the finish line before free agency kicked into gear. This is big. And most importantly, for guys like Javon Hargrave, who just hit free agency and he already signed with someone. Again, talk about that in just a second. This sets the baseline for the defensive tackle market this offseason. No one has no one has come close to touching the Duran Payne deal, but everyone's right around that area of those who have signed thus far, at least from a uh, a year-to-year perspective. Average annual value sort of perspective. Now teams have a template to build off of when signing big time for Asian defensive tackles, and you can see it's just kind of cascaded, trickled down uh, from what Deron Payne signed really throughout the first day of the uh, of, of the free agent cycle. But good signing by the commies. Don't have to worry about him playing out the franchise tag and then going in free agency next year. Really shoring up that defensive line. You still got Jonathan Allen in there. You got my boy Montez Sweat from the Mississippi State University. Um, solid defensive line out there. Maybe they can do a little bit better than what they started last year, especially with Chase Young coming back. This is going to be one of the best defensive lines in the entire game. Looking forward to watching that, if nothing else, from the Washington Commies over there. Red Wave coming right at you. Uh, up next, Jets retain starting linebacker Quincy Williams on a three-year deal. It's three years, $18 million. Could get up to 21 with incentives. Uh, also, of note, it feels like basically every deal this year is like 
sure it's three or four deals on paper but it's always an option after two years it feels like basically no matter what the structure is every player is signing like a two-year deal with a team option after that so interesting time to live i mean it's not necessarily good or bad i think it's probably good for a player's perspective um could also be bad i mean nothing's purely good or purely bad but it's a very interesting development in the free agency market that's kind of just really taken hold over here over the last couple of years or so this is kind of a newer development interesting to watch going forward just kind of the economics of the whole free agent market right now but williams has really thrived alongside his brother quinnen uh who i'm sure is eyeing that deron Payne contract with great and i mean great fascination and intrigue after earning an all pro selection in 2022 i would imagine it's even a step up from what deron Payne got when that that number comes through uh he might end up getting a hundred million dollars. I'd be shocked if he didn't end up getting a hundred million dollars when he signs that extension, whenever he signs that with the jets, but good to keep Quincy Williams around. I think having those brothers play with each other, as long as both are playing at a high level, just good for the team. Good for the morale overall in the locker room, uh, staying in the division though, in the AFC East, the bills agreed to terms with talked about it there for a second before punter, Sam Martin to stay in Buffalo. It's a three year, seven and a half million dollar deal. A oddly specific 4.115 million guaranteed. So if you're doing the quick math at home, that's 4,115,000 guaranteed to stay in Buffalo after stepping in and balling out in the wake of Matt Arise's situation in the preseason. Uh, Well-deserved contract extension, but as we saw with Bill Belichick over there with the Patriots, just because you sign an extension here in the in the preseason does not mean they won't cut your ass right away come next offseason. So good for Sam Martin. Hopefully it sticks that way. Buffalo is a really good team that could really use Sam Martin's services going forward. Uh, up next, Falcons. And we're getting right into the meat of free agency at this point. This is starting off with a bang. Open the legal tampering period with a flurry of moves. First, they traded a seventh rounder to acquire Janu Smith from the Patriots, reuniting Smith with Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Johnny Smith never really got got used properly with the Patriots in his short stint in, in New England, and he struggled as a result. Also, couldn't really stay on the field hard to stay healthy over there at times. And Arthur Smith was really the only offensive coordinator that, that kind of unlocked his game with the Titans back in the day. Not to mention the Falcons were in desperate need of a more consistent blocking tight end, so Kyle Pitts can focus on his receiving duties more so and just really just be a giant wide receiver out there. I like this move, picking up Jonu Smith, because I know what his role will be. It's a giant giant cap hit, don't get me wrong, but he's going to provide a lot of value to this offense, and I think he's going to make Kyle Pitts better as a result because he doesn't have to focus on the things that he stinks at, quite frankly. He's not a very good blocker. Jonu Smith, much better in that way. I'm looking forward to seeing how that gels with the rest of the offense. Then, not too long after that, the Falcons locked in guard Cliss R- yeah, easy for me to say. Chris Lindstrom to a five-year, $105 million uh, deal that makes him the highest paid guard in the NFL. Lindstrom has started every game he's been healthy for, only missing time with a broken foot when he was a rookie back in the day, has started every game since. Big retention for the Falcons. And again, I don't necessarily know the most about offensive line, but if you're starting that many consecutive games, the team thinks very highly of you. And especially with a young quarterback, you just don't want pressure up the middle. So keeping that offensive line together, a growing, not not growing physically, but growing chemistry, growing high level of play for that Falcons offensive line. Looking forward to seeing what they turn into this next year, especially adding in John Smith there to help out in the run game on the blocking side of things. And 
Once the tampering period kicked off, they went out aggressively on the other side of the ball, agreeing to terms with defensive tackle David Onyemata on a three-year, $35 million deal, $24.5 million of that guaranteed. Again, basically just a two-year deal with an option for a third. Uh, one of the top defensive tackles on the market, and I doubt they're done. They've certainly weren't. Stay tuned. The Falcons are making a playoff push with the moves they're making so far. And later in the day, they went out and got former Saints defensive end Caden Ellis on a three-year, $21.5 million deal, $11 million of that guaranteed. Team-friendly deal here given the 78 tackles, 7 sacks, and 11 starts last last season for Ellis. But Ellis could outperform that one very easily if he translates that production to a full slate of reps. Again, I'd love to see the player get as much money as as possible, but this is a pretty sweet team-friendly deal for the Falcons right here to pick up a guy that could turn into a big-time pass rusher for him, take some pressure off of what Grady Jarrett has done over the past several years being trapped in Atlanta. That poor, poor man. He is the best defensive tackle that no one talks about. I'll tell you that right now, but I digress. And we can't forget the biggest addition of them all. Drum roll, please! I've got a sick habit of doing drum rolls for backup quarterbacks, but the Heineken has landed in Atlanta. The Taylor Heineke butchered that totally to the end, to the ends of the earth, but you get it. Taylor Heineke has agreed to a two-year deal for about $10 million a year, about $20 million-ish or so, doing the quick math there. Not really a move that affects the day-to-day on-the-field stuff per se, but it's a clear indication that they're riding with Desmond Ritter as the starter for 2023, and they've said as much over and over again. They got the offensive line straightened out. They've got the defense building that up like a son of a bitch over there. Now they just need to fill out the offensive skill positions, and they're going to be right there next year. I mean, that NFC South, as ever, just gettable as all hell. So they could be right in the mix of things. No Lamar Jackson and no rookie QB in all likelihood to usurp Ritter, though. That's what we can we can definitively glean from these moves so far in free agency. Up next, though, Patriots retain cornerback Jonathan Jones on a two-year deal after opting not to use the franchise tag on him. This was this one was announced like I don't know, like five minutes, give or take, after the tampering period was open. So once again, the devil works hard, but Bill Belichick works even harder when it comes to skirting around the rules and regulations, though I think this was a a, a, a free agent that was on his... Th- well, I don't think it was a free agent that was on the Patriots, so I think he could negotiate with them the whole time. They just got it done right after uh, the free agency opened, I guess. Deal is for $20 million with $13 million of that guaranteed. So... After my short-lived criticism of Bill Belichick, he still keeps a young uh, ascending cornerback in the building on a team-friendly deal. Again, the, the devil works hard. Bill Belichick works harder. Jonathan Jones returning to the fold in New England. Big guy to retain over there with the Patriots. Don't know if it'll turn into a playoff uh, berth, but certainly a guy you want to keep around in, the day, in today's era of the NFL. Um, Seahawks released defensive lineman Shelby Harris, standout player last season after being a big piece in the Russell Wilson trade. According to Ian Rappaport, the Seahawks tried to find a destination, but it never materialized. So add Harris to the list of standout defensive tackles on the market. And he is still on the market to this point with Animata and Hargrave off the board. We'll get to that one here in just a second. Harris will have plenty of suitors for his services. I would imagine. And a quick update here, this one coming across my phone 
as I speak into the microphone here, uh, the Saints restructured Michael Michael Thomas's contract, agreeing to a one-year agreement, ten million dollar, uh, has max value of fifteen million, according to Adam Schefter. There, very incentive-laden deal. He will be uh, with the New Orleans Saints going forward, though. So, big-time restructure on that deal that he had before. Um, <laughs> The, the the dead cap money at the end of that deal was hilarious. I mean, he like like $60 million dead cap at one point. I mean, just that's a kick the can down the road sort of situation if I've ever seen one. That's just back half of that, con, that, that contract just being used as, I mean, just a slush fund to just throw in cap money whenever you, you need it willy-nilly. It'll never come back to bite us in the ass, I assure you of that. I mean, again... Devil works hard, but Mickey Loomis works harder too. This this guy has been on the edge of cap hell for about a decade now, and he just finds a way to get out of it every single time. So more power to him. Um, also, coming across the line, it kind of makes sense given what the Jets have been doing, but apparently, this according to sources, Aaron Rodgers has provided the New York Jets with a wish list of free agents he would like them to target and acquire. Uh, this according to Diana Russini, that was... Uh, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, and OBJ, which makes sense. I'd love to have OBJ on my team too. Put a pin in that though. I don't. I don't necessarily care until Rodgers goes to the Jets. Uh, up next, though, the Bears land a pair of starting linebackers to kick off their free agency, and that was certainly not all they did. Former Eagles breakout star last year, TJ Edwards, got a three-year, $19.5 million deal with 12 that guaranteed in the first two years, I would imagine, to be the new middle linebacker, starting middle linebacker for the Bears over there in Chicago. And the bombshell of the linebacker market so far, Former Bills standout Tremaine Edmonds agreed to a four-year, $72 million deal, $50 million of that guaranteed. I think his second-year number, it's it's insane. I think It's like $22 million he's getting in his second year or something like that. Edwards, circling back to him real quick, it's another deal that came through like five minutes after the tamping period opened up. So the cheating-ass Bears and Ryan Poles up to some shameful tricks. The Vikings would never do such a thing. And you know what? The Bears, they're a bunch of cheaters. You shouldn't go to the Bears. You should go to the Vikings instead if you're a free agent. That being said, massive get for the Bears right here. They they have needs at every, essentially every position on the field and a mountain of cap space. So any deal at this point helps, but... Edwards is a guy coming off a breakout season who looks like he's only getting better. This could end up being a steal of a contract when it's all said and done. TJ Edwards, ascending player over there, big time pickup for the Chicago Bears. Might not be the all pro level mind that Roquan Smith was in the middle of that defense, but he is poised to play Pro Bowl level football in Chicago for the foreseeable future, barring health. Uh, Also, Bears are... Also expected to be key players in the, the pursuit of Guy, uh, easy for me to say once again, Eagles guard Isaac Sayamalo uh, with former Eagles exec Ian Cunningham now in place as the Bears assistant GM. Also, getting back to Edmonds, another massive get for the Bears. He was the glue that held that, that Bills defense together last year with all the turmoil going on in the secondary. And it's hard to understate just how lethal that combo will be with T.J. Edwards. Edwards can just be the brain of the defense, call out the stuff, and Edmonds can just go out there and be a baller like he's done every single year in Buffalo, pretty much. The Bears still need to address the front four in the secondary, but between Edwards and Edmonds, linebacker situation is all but taken care of. Maybe they draft another guy, but they have got it all locked up over there with who they signed. TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, you could do a whole lot worse than that as two of your three starting linebackers going into next year. Once again, 
I have said this time and time again, but I am up, upping the ante on this. I now have a sneaking and growing fear that Ryan Poles may in fact know what he is doing up there in Chicago. I, I certainly hope he doesn't, but I, I think he might. Uh, up next, Ravens released defensive end Calais Campbell for cap considerations. Again, tough decisions need to be made in Baltimore, and Calais Campbell found himself in the crosshairs. Unfortunately, this is a guy the Ravens would love would have loved to hold on to, but the salary cap just wouldn't permit it at his current price of that contract. Still, a guy that could resign in Baltimore if it all falls right, though, and if you know if he's willing to take a pay cut there as well, I'd imagine is the read between the lines subtext there. My, my, maybe not a top line name on, on free agency market, but I guarantee he ends up with someone when it's all said and done. Great locker room guy, still got some juice left in the tank on the field as well. He'll land on his feet somewhere, just a matter of where he ends up. And sweet Jesus, Mary, and Joseph above, we have cross the Mendoza line here and it is you know what we're about an hour into the podcast so about to hit the warp speed here real quick Jason Kelsey back for another year in Philly after last year's Super Bowl berth it's a one-year deal that keeps Kelsey as the highest paid center in the league at 14.75 million next year still one of the best centers in the entire league so Assuming you can stay healthy, this is a massive bit of news for the Eagles offense, both on and off the field, especially if they end up losing guard Isaac Sayamalo to the open market. Bears are reportedly big players in that race, as I said before, and it's a win for everyone who loves to see athletic offensive line play and entertaining personalities. Love Jason Kelsey. Love his brother, too. I mean, just a goofy set of guys over there. Uh, Obviously, parents that love him. Glad Kelsey decided to give it at least one more go before hanging it up for good and proud having a lucrative career in the podcasting industry would love to have the same thing if we're being honest but i digress on that front we don't got time to expound on those things Uh, up next broncos spend big money to bring in a pair of offensive linemen first they signed former ravens guard ben powers who i think started most pretty much every game that he was available uh over there with the ravens he signed a four-year, $52 million deal, 28 and a half of that guaranteed. Uh, then they landed longtime 49ers right tackle Mike McGlinchey on a five-year, $87 million, $87.5 million deal, $50 million of that guaranteed as well. Offensive line, it's an area that the Broncos needed to address this offseason, and they did so right away to the tune of about $140 million doled out in free agency money. Sean Payton loves him some good offensive line play and these two signings will certainly help. He needs good pulling guard, good athletic guard. Ben Powers does that in spades. Needs a good offensive lineman um, on uh, really all, both tackles. I don't know if I'd necessarily believe in Garrett Bowles over there, but Adam Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, big time get there as well. Love what Sean Payton and George Payton are doing down there with the, the Broncos so far. Up uh, next, Packers re-signed All-Pro returner Keyshawn Nixon to a one-year deal. And really, I just include this because Rapsheet did us all dirty when he broke this one. Quote, the Packers, the news Packers fans have been waiting for is such a cruel preface to what this one was. Uh, respect to Rapsheet uh, and his troll game. But I digress. It's, it's good to have Keyshawn Nixon back if you're the Packers. He was a dynamic return man last year and really changed the dynamic of that team when he got in there and did his thing full time. Uh, up next, 49ers land the gem of the of the defensive tackle class this year in free agency, Javon Hargrave going to San Francisco and bolstering a front seven that was already 
out of this world ridiculous. I mean, four years, $84 million, which is actually lower than I expected given the Duran Payne deal, but still nothing to sneeze at when it's all said and done. Only a couple million dollars less. I think only like a mil and a half less per year than what uh, than what Duran Payne ended up getting. The Niners now have a front four of Nick Boza, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, and Samson Ebukam with a stable of guys in the rotation behind them. Good luck to any team they go against next season. The rich just get richer in San Fran. That defense and Javon Hargrave, they're going to be just as good next year as they were this year. I, I mean, even even with losing D'Amico Ryans, it is hard to see with the personnel that they have not being a top five unit once again next year. Up next, Lions land former Steelers corner, number one cornerback Cam Sutton on a three-year $33 million deal, $22.5 million of that guaranteed quick math is two-year deal once again. This is a pattern you're going to see over and over and over. First two years are guaranteed, then it's an option at, at the third year. This is just kind of the playbook of what the agents are going with nowadays. It seems like the Lions addressed a big-time position of need with this move. Fantastic offense last season that with an elite group that they have in the offensive line, but the secondary cost them several games. This move doesn't rectify all their issues by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a hell of a start, and the NFC North continues to get stronger with Aaron Rodgers leaving. It is a wide, wide-open race next season. I don't know who's going to win it, but in all likelihood... It, it could end up shaking out that the, the Lions and the Bears might be have the two best records in the division, which is not something I would have said even last year. So, excuse me, big credit to the Lions and the Bears for what they've done so far in free agency. I'm needing them to stop, though. I prefer they not. That's, that's really all I got to say about that. Uh, Raiders, up next, are expected to sign Jimmy G to be their next starting quarterback. It's a three-year deal. Uh, either $67.5 million or $72.75 million. The reporting has been pretty spotty on the numbers for this one. Probably won't know specifically until he uh, inks this one and Spotrack gets a hold of the details. This is one that people or anyone with a long memory and a hint of foresight could see coming. I made mention of this before free agency started. The Raiders probably want to draft and develop someone, uh, so they, they needed a stopgap solution. Meanwhile, Jimmy G played some of his best ball in his career with Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator in New England. Both were an ideal match for what each side was looking for. So this one just ended up being a no-brainer, harmonious sort of aligning of incentives. He's going to the Raiders, and I'm interested to see what he looks like in a new environment with, with McDaniels as his OC and a host of weapons at his disposal that he they even added one more to the mix that I'll get to here in a bit. Uh, who's to say when it happens, but a bit. Uh, up next, former Chiefs right tackle Andrew Wiley on that Super Bowl team last year agrees to terms with the commies. Three-year deal with $24 million to reunite with offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy in Washington. They also signed former Giants center Nick Gates to a three-year deal. Numbers not available on that one yet, and no guarantees uh, of numbers available on either of those from what I understand. O-line was a big area of need coming into free agency, and they have addressed that on paper at the very least with two presumptive starters on day one of free agency. Good moves so far by the commies. Up next, though. Bills are bringing in former Cowboys guard Connor McGovern on a three-year, $23 million deal. Solid addition for a team that struggled to create push up front in the run game last season. Maybe they bring in uh, another running back too. Uh, they brought in a, a bajillion of them last season. None of them seemed to work. So adding a guy in the middle, probably a prudent way to go about this. Big loss for the Cowboys in free agency. Big add for the Bills on the other side of things.
Oh, and this one fresh off the presses from Mike Girafalo uh, and Ian Rappaport in tandem on the, uh, the the signing itself and the negotiations. Garrett Bradbury signing back with the Vikings on a three-year $15.75 million deal. And you know what? I don't know if Bradbury's the best center in the league, but that's that's a hell of a value you got there with three years, basically $5 million per year for a starting caliber center who started basically every game he's been healthy uh, since he was drafted. I like that value. Having Garrett Bradbury back is a good thing for a Vikings offensive line that, if nothing else, needs continuity in the middle because it's always a question mark in that part of the offensive line. So good for the team. Good for Garrett Bradbury. Glad to see him back in Minnesota for another couple years. Up next, Chiefs land former Jaguars offensive tackle Jawan Taylor to play left tackle, meaning Orlando Brown will play elsewhere next season because they signed Jawan Taylor to a four-year $80 million contract, $60 million of that guarantee, which probably means the first three years are fully guaranteed. Hell of a get there for Juwan Taylor. Uh, good good job by negotiating with his agents right there. That is that is a hell of a haul there uh, in free agency. This is not These are not the sort of guarantees you saw in eras past in the NFL. So $60 million guaranteed out of $80 million, That is awesome for Juwan Taylor. Chiefs ultimately decided the juice wasn't worth the squeeze on Orlando Brown. So Pat Mahomes will have a full new slate of tackles with Andrew Wiley signing in Washington. Juwan Taylor, not going to say Juwan Howard again, Juwan Taylor replacing Orlando Brown on the left side. Interested to see who they pick up for the right side if they go through the draft or if they go through free agency. That's going to be one to watch going forward. But Juwan Juwan Taylor, new left tackle in the Kansas City Chiefs uh, offensive line room. Lots of turnover on the offensive line, but they've shown an ability to get it figured out in the past. So all eyes on Brett Veach to see what happens next uh, with that team. Also fresh off the presses, we are heating back up here. 49ers retain their center, Blake Brandell, on a four-year deal. No numbers on that available just yet. Ian Rappaport just tweeted that out right now, so I got no real details. But uh, Blake Brandell, a guy that you want to keep in in line. I mean, continuity at center is a big thing, so keeping him around, big-time deal for the uh, San Francisco 49ers there. But let's move on to uh, the next thing on the docket here. Vikings bringing in former Ravens. Tight end Josh Oliver. It's a three-year deal, $21 million with 10.75 of that guaranteed. Could get up to $24 million with incentives that are probably performance-based uh, based on, like, receptions and yards, so he's not going to get him in all likelihood. A uh, guy that I admittedly don't know much about, but uh, pretty much everyone, including Mike Garofalo, called him one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire league. So I view this in a similar light to the Falcons grabbing Jonu Smith, but for a much more friendly cap number. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is a serviceable end-line blocker, but that's that's not why the Vikings brought him in, quite frankly. Uh, so Oliver take over the bulk of the blocking duties, uh, which should allow Hawkinson to just go out there and all out, be that security blanket for Kirk Cousins uh, when he's called upon. The running game was inconsistent at best last year, so adding a solid blocking tight end should help the situation. It's a high price to pay nominally, but for a blocking tight end with low guarantees and the freedom this will afford TJ Hawkinson to go out there and ball, I think it's worth it in my mind. I think this is actually... Sneaky solid deal. Looking at it initially, I wasn't sure, but the more you get into the weeds here, this is a sneaky solid deal by the Vikings to uh, to, to keep, well, not keep, but bring in Josh Oliver uh, as a bit more of a blocking tight end presence there. Should help the run game. That was bad last year, to say the least. Oh, and I just got a text from a former co-host on this show, Zach, about the, the Saints. I mean, 
somehow didn't cut a single player, got under the cap. Mickey Loomis is just a mad genius over there with the cap. Got to, got to tip my cap to him. Uh, but moving on here, we got the Bengals retaining linebacker Jermaine Pratt on a three-year, $21 million deal. He started 54 games last year. It was on that, that long list of uh, off-ball linebackers that I said were available in this class. Good guy to retain there, but the Bengals lost more than that, I would say, on the other side of things. They lost both their starting safeties to free agency. Von Bell signed a three-year, $22.5 million deal, $13 million of that guaranteed to join the Panthers. Jesse Bates, on the other hand, agreed to a massive four-year, $64 million deal to join the Falcons. Probably should have put this in there with the, the Falcons segment, but you get it. This is a big, big ad for the Falcons. That makes Bates the fourth highest paid safety in the league right here. Big, big get for the Panthers. If he can't make a big splash on offense, might as well make that splash on defense and make it even more formidable. Ejiro Ivero has got a full cupboard uh, to work with the next season in Carolina, bringing in Vaughn Bell to bolster up that secondary, which was already looking pretty solid. As for the Falcons, after the initial flurry of offensive moves, defense has been the clear priority for Arthur Smith. It was not up to snuff last year and if they was up to, up to snuff they probably would have won a couple more games Bates is a big time ad for them on the back end after saving David Onyemata or adding David Onyemata on a lucrative deal earlier in the afternoon if Desmond Ritter continues to develop and keep that trajectory he had at the end of last year sure was not awesome in any of his starts but continuously improved each time out there and eventually had a solid start to end the year this is a team that could jump out and surprise some people next season uh, in that division that is very gettable. I've said it before, I'll say it again. That is wide, wide open down there in the NFC South. Watch out for the Falcons. Watch what they are doing both now and come draft time. This is a big offseason for that entire regime. They are absolutely trying to make the playoffs next season with their young quarterback uh, at the helm there. Up next, though, Pro Bowl running back Austin... <clears throat> Excuse me. Pro Bowl running back Austin Eckler has been given permission to seek a trade. Uh, contract negotiations reportedly fell through just before the start of the tampering period. So Chargers have given Eckler permission to see what's out there, see if he can get an offer that the team would uh, would would take when it's all said and done. Usually running backs don't generate a whole lot of buzz given the ample supply, but Eckler is a guy you could you could definitely take a swing on if you're on the cusp of of, of winning a championship here. Uh, He's one of the most dynamic dual threat running backs in the game with his running ability in tandem with the pass catching ability. He led the league in touchdowns by a position player last year, I believe, with like 19. If you're a team with a great defense, but the offense needs a little extra shot in the arm in the run game to really compete, Eckler is a damn good option to consider if you want to go all in for next season. I see teams like, say, the, the Broncos, Chiefs, Bills, as, as a few possible candidates could go out there and grab Eckler. That would probably put them over the edge in a lot of respects. The Chiefs, I mean, there, there's word they might get OBJ. So, I mean, the, again, the rich just keep getting richer out there. Add Pat Mahomes to OBJ might have 1,500 yards next season for all I know. But Eckler will be a – if he ends up leaving the Chargers, which is not a guarantee given the market for running backs, but if he ends up leaving for the Chargers, I would expect him to go to a contender that is basically one running, one very good running back away from making a championship run. That'll be one to watch here in the coming days and weeks, however long this ends up stretching out. 
Up next, though, Browns retained center Ethan Pochich, who stepped in or stepped up big time last season after coming over from the Seahawks. Uh, presumed starter Nick Harris went down early in the season with a knee injury, and Pochich filled in admirably in the 13 remaining games he started in Harris's place. Not a sexy name, but a very good insurance policy if Harris isn't isn't either isn't ready to start the year or goes down with another injury or hell he did so he did so well down the stretch they they might just ride it out with Pochich going forward I don't know what the, what the plan is there but that's a good guy to keep in the building if you're the Browns center Ethan Ethan Pochich I think it's like a three-year deal they kept him on good uh good guy to keep in the building up next, getting back to the Bears, they signed former Titans guard Nate Davis to a three-year, $30 million deal. I don't have the guarantees on that, but that is a big-time signing for Ryan Poles once again. Likely will not be the last offensive lineman the Bears bring in, whether that be through the draft or through free agency. They had a bad offensive line last year, and if they ever want to give Justin Fields a chance to develop properly, they need to change that ASAP. Nate Davis is a good way to start off that process. They're not done, though. I guarantee you of that. Big ad, though, is Nate Davis. Up next, Bucks find a way to retain cornerback Jamel Dean after deciding not to franchise him. And he was in deep talks with other teams, from what I understand. So it is a, a miracle they brought him back down to Tampa. Four years, $52 million deal. Uh, basically, first two years of that uh, is guaranteed at $26 million of the, the, the deal guaranteed. Uh, $13 million per year. Damn good haul for Dean, though. Well, that's, a, that's a good value for a, for a cornerback in this game. Certainly more than what Cam Sutton got. And it's commiserate with his level of play over the last several seasons down there in Tampa. It looked like Dean was gone in the wind uh, with him now being one of the top corners remaining on the market. But Jason Light found a way to keep him in Tampa. It doesn't fix the issues that Tampa is, is going to face on defense. Uh, really all season, that's probably going to make them a top 10 pick next year. But it's a start, if nothing else. So good, good on Tampa to keep Jamel Dean in town for at least another two years there uh, in Tampa. Up next... Uh, back to the Lions, retaining linebacker Alex Anzalone, who I believe started last year, a three years, $18.75 million deal. Big retention from a linebacking core that needs to keep as many solid players as they can. Linebacker in front seven wasn't necessarily the biggest issue there. I think secondary certainly was, but he's a guy that you want to have around. He played very well last year, and he's had a pretty solid career uh, all overall, so good guy to keep in the building Lions defense just continues to build on what they had at the at the end of last year and beginning free agency uh, up next former Vikings cornerback Patrick Peterson agrees to join the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers is a one-year deal uh, for the future Hall of Famer. Don't know the exact numbers. I think it's like $10 million or something like that. Commiserate with what you would pay a Hall of Famer. I'll put it to you that way. Kind of knew he wouldn't be back with the Vikings, so I'm not really too too broken up about this one. Uh, Vikings need a hard reset on the outside, and we, we don't have the room to pay Peterson what he deserves, quite frankly. And from a team perspective... You can't expect Peterson to stay healthy like he did last year at that position and that age. And I mean, the year before he could not stay on the field. So I just can't, I just can't sit up up here and expect that Peterson's going to be totally healthy for two years in a row. The juice just wasn't worth the squeeze. And Peterson all but confirmed that by saying live on his podcast that the Vikings were in talks, but couldn't quite cross the line, which is probably more of a, a monetary euphemism than anything else. No bad things to say about Patrick Peterson, though. I think he's a great locker room guy. 
even better football player, but the writing was on the wall. Glad to see him land on his feet on a team that will need him next year, uh, both on the field and likely off mentoring the young DBs that are about to be drafted this offseason in Pittsburgh, I would imagine. So uh, good to see Patrick Peterson landing on, on, on his feet with a team that needs him next season. Up next, though, Titans are expected to sign former Eagles offensive tackle Andre Dillard. Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to return to Philly uh, and be buried on that depth chart behind either Jordan Mailata or Lane Johnson. Take your pick on that one. Ridiculous tackle situation the Eagles have. Uh, So Dillard struck out on his own, got a big deal from the Titans to play in Tennessee. This is a piece to start building with for Rand Carthon. Played very well when he was called upon in Lane Johnson's absence, but you just don't sit a Hall of Famer still playing at an all-pro caliber for an upstart uh, on the other side. You, You just can't do it. We'll get to see just how good Andre Dillard is now that he's stepped out from under the the Eagles umbrella, and boy, is Ryan Tannehill going to need him to be great if he wants to survive next year, because talk about teams that might have the number one overall pick next year. I've said it before. I mean, Mike Vrabel's not going to let him get to that point, but just looking at the roster, the Titans are bereft of talent right now. They need to have a big-time draft if they want to even make a push for anything come next year. Uh, I digress on that, though. The Raiders expected to sign former Eagles safety Marcus Epps, another Eagles player, making an exodus from Philly. It's a two-year, $12 million deal with $8 million of that guaranteed. Epps didn't create the turnovers that C.J. Gardner... Easy for me to say. C.J. Gardner-Johnson did last year, but he filled in admirably, playing a true strong safety role in his absence and I imagine the Raiders are going to use him in a similar fashion. Epps racked up 94 total tackles last year with six passes defended. I think he's going to play a fairly similar role, probably have even more tackles come next year for that Raiders secondary. They need some ball hawks back there. They need they need more. They need upgrades at cornerback. They need upgrades at safety. Marcus Epps is a start, but he should not be the last one that comes into that team and uh, tries to improve that defense because they really are. If they can shore up the defense, they could make a playoff run next year with what they've they've got in the building right now. And up next, told you I was hitting the warp speed button. Dolphins get some much-needed linebacker help, adding David Long from the Titans. It's a two-year, $11 million deal. Don't know about the guarantees, unfortunately. Somehow, David Long has missed a bevy of games, but has continuously and consistently improved his numbers each year in the league. He racked up a career high in tackles last season with in just 12 games uh, a season after getting a new career high in tackles in 10 games his numbers have improved every single year regardless of how many how many games he missed um missing 12 games uh, over the course of the last two seasons though gotta worry you uh uh quite frankly but from a talent perspective it's it's undeniable the level of play that he can get to he's still if he can stay healthy this could be a sneaky good signing from from Chris Greer. Again, another winning move and a, a move they needed to make uh, to bolster up that defense from what it was last season. Uh, up next, moving on again, the Giants beef up their front seven, adding former Colts inside linebacker Bobby O'Karake on a four-year, uh, $40 million deal, $22 million of that gay Ron Teed. Linebacker is 
One of the Giants' biggest areas of need, along with corner and wide receiver, the defensive line was spectacular at times last year, but Wink Martindale covered up a lot of holes in the back end uh, with his scheme and play calling. Martindale is going to do that again. I, I assure you he's going to do that again next season, but adding as many good pieces as possible will obviously make that job easier uh, by, the, by the number of players they add. Expect defense and receiver to be big-time emphases in the draft this upcoming year. Uh, I guess it's May, I don't I don't remember when the date of the draft is, but come draft time, that's going to be a wide receiver and defense, big, big time uh, emphasis uh, over there for the, the Giants. Up next, though, rolling right through these, we got the Vikings adding former Saints pass rusher Marcus Davenport on a one-year $13 million deal and don't know what to make of this move. On one hand, you can never have too many pass rushers, and but on the other hand, I'm wondering whether this move has anything to do with Zedaria Smith requesting a release, maybe uh, maybe uh, picking up a replacement, so to speak, in the free agent market uh, if Zedaria Smith does end up getting the axe. I'm going to strike an optimistic tone and just say that this is added depth on the edge, but I could very easily see it going the other way. But let's let's go with the optimistic assumption here. I The worry I have... <coughs> excuse me, is that Davenport has never played a full season in any year he's been in the league. Even when relegated to rotational reps last season, he only played 15 out of 17 games. That being said, the upside is just undeniable. He had nine sacks and three forced fumbles in 11 games during the 2021 season when he was a full-time starter, uh, having a bit of a down year in 2022 when he was relegated to backup reps a little bit more. Uh, with Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith, presumably that is, uh, still bookending each side, the hope is that Davenport gets enough snaps to have an impact without getting too banged up along the way. And again, I can't I can't stress this enough. Never can have too many passers. Just look at what the Eagles did last year, and they rode that all the way to the Super Bowl and the number one pass defense in the league. So the more pass rushers, the merrier. I love to draft a few and, and, and have them turn out well, but picking one up in free agency isn't a bad idea as well. Marcus Davenport, new member of the Minnesota Vikings after coming over from the Saints. And uh, up next, Panthers retain center Bradley Bozeman on a three-year, $18 million deal. And with this signing, the Panthers will bring back all five starters from the 2022 offensive line. Probably the most important thing on the agenda with a rookie quarterback entering the fold. Start with the offensive line, not that short up. Maybe go out and sign a DJ Chark or something. I don't know. Just, a, just an idea. You got some cap space, so I don't know. Just floating it out there. Still need to add a lot at offensive skill positions, but the receiver market has moved at glacial pace. So they've still got basically the whole board outside of a couple guys available to them on that front. I would expect them to make a push for at least someone in free agency. Otherwise this is basically just, just kind of a, a wasted move here. I'm not, not, not Bradley Bozeman being a wasted move, but kind of a, a wasted move not to pick up a wide receiver after you just traded away DJ Moore. They got to have somebody in free agency, especially with Scott Fitterer's track record drafting these guys uh, come uh, May or whenever the draft is happening. But up next, Cardinals retain offensive tackle Kelvin Beecham on a two-year deal. Um... Not really a whole lot to report here. Not a whole lot of money as well. I think he might be playing right tackle. It's like $5.1 million on the deal. And he made some made some comments that I think are actually true about Kyler Murray uh, the other day. I think it was like March 9th, uh, Pro Football Talk 
posted a blog quoting uh, Kelvin Beecham saying that basically Kyler Murray just needs to grow up. Like he's not saying that he doesn't have leadership qualities and he can't be a good leader, but you have to lead the whole team is basically what he said. And he's a young player and he has faith in him to do that. So big old nothing statement there. Don't try to make something out of nothing there, Ari Mirov. We've got enough drama without you creating some. Uh, And I'll leave it at that. Kelvin Beecham back with the Cardinals, a guy that they probably needed to retain with how bad that offense was last year. Uh, Certainly couldn't hurt to have more offensive linemen there with a quarterback who was just coming off an ACL repair. But up next, former Vikings linebacker Eric Kendricks, who who we cut last week. Hate to see him go, but love to see him land on his feet. He is signing a two-year deal with the Chargers for $13.25 million. Guarantees not really uh, available on that one. Hated to see him go, but I loved I love this pickup for the Chargers, man. Kendricks might not be quite at his peak uh, like he was before, both covering guys and filling holes in the middle of the field, but... He's one of the smartest off-ball linebackers in the game still and is an absolute upgrade covering running backs out of the backfield compared to what they've had previously in L.A., the Chargers, that is. Uh, He's playing in L.A. again for the first time since uh, going to college at UCLA. He's got a well-respected defensive mind coordinating the defense in Brandon Staley. And if the offense can improve under Kellen Moore... They could very easily make a championship run. Glad to see Kendricks land on his feet in a different conference at that. Love to see him not in the NFC, so we have to play him at any point. I expect very good things from Eric Kendricks in 2023. Don't be fooled by him being cut. He's still got a lot of football left in the tank. Up next, we have got Broncos landing former Cardinals defensive end Zach Allen on a three-year $45.75 million deal, $32.5 million of that guaranteed. And here is why you're seeing... Uh, This is a a prime example of why Zadarius Smith wanted to be cut from this team because Zach Allen is not a pass rusher and he just got $15 million a year. Imagine what Zadarius Smith would get on the open market right now if he were available. It'd be be north of $20 million a year. That's three years, $45.5 million. That's basically what Zadarius Smith signed for last season. So just just goes to show very team friendly deal that the Vikings currently have for Zadarius Smith and it just goes to show why Zadarius Smith maybe wants to go uh, re-up in free agency but signed a contract my guy unfortunately this is the way the cookie crumbles uh new defensive new Broncos defensive coordinator Vance Joseph was uh Zach Allen's defensive coordinator in Arizona for his entire four-year career up until this point so it's a move that makes a lot of sense for both sides here he's a 3-4 defensive end so Not a flashy player, but he's been a consistent and improving presence in the run game and setting career highs and stuffs at the line of scrimmage. In each season he's played thus far, not to mention he's not necessarily a pass rusher that scares you, but he's starting to get very good at altering passes at the line of scrimmage. He had a had pass defended, eight passes defended last year, uh, which was more than he had racked up in his entire career up until that point in his pre three three previous seasons. It's not a sexy pickup by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a high degree of familiarity with Vance Joseph and his system to where this will make the defense better in Denver immediately, I would say. Certainly helps out with the running game, and when he got Patrick Sertain over there, you only got to do so much to improve the passing game to still be one of the top units in the league in that category. Broncos looking good with what they're doing in free agency right now. Pay attention to them as well. That that AFC West might, might not have been what it was advertised last year, but this coming year might might be as advertised what they were in, in 2022. that make any sense? I, I don't know. If it didn't, go back and listen again, see if you can decipher it. I think I said that right. Um, either way, 
good pickup for the Broncos. And why not go to a different good pickup for the Broncos? They retain linebacker Alex Singleton on a three-year, $18 million deal. Had one season in Denver, and George Payton liked what he saw, and I think can't blame him for, for liking that. Not sure how good he is in the passing game, but Singleton is an absolute tackle machine. I'll tell you that right now. He had over 120 tackles for three straight seasons, setting new career highs in each successive year over the past three years. Last season, he played all 17 games and racked up a monstrous 163 total tackles on the year. Call me a dumb meathead on this one, but if you're racking up 160 tackles and playing all but one game over the last three seasons, I want you on my team regardless of what the possible downsides might be elsewhere in your game. And at $6 million per year... This one feels like a downright steal given the high level of production. Solid retention for George Payton. Would love to see Alex Singleton get more money, but good move from a team perspective to sign this guy on a team-friendly contract there. Uh, up next, Jameis Winston will stay in New Orleans on a one-year, $8 million deal to be Derek Carr's backup next season with Andy Dalton hitting the road after a one-year stint. He's going to probably be with his fourth team in four years, so true journeyman quarterback that Andy Dalton Probably one of the best, if not the best backup in the game, though, right now. I think could legitimately be a starter if you put him in the right situation. So he will he will have a market all of his own uh, come, I don't know, whenever it happens to, to get to a point where backup quarterbacks start getting uh, going off the board like hotcakes. Uh, either way, not going to spend too much time on this one with Jameis Winston, uh, but who doesn't love Jameis? Uh, good locker room guy, and despite what his on-field performances may suggest at times, Really good football mind, apparently. Just one of those guys that sees red when he goes out there and just makes boneheaded decisions from time to time. Perfect backup quarterback at this stage in his career. It hasn't quite gone like he thought it would, or really many of us thought it would, after going number one overall. But he still has got a lot of years, uh, given his likability and football IQ in the film room. He can be very valuable to teams. Even if he doesn't make make it onto the field for years and years to come, I I like this signing. I like Jameis Winston. I hope he sticks around forever because he's just he's a walking soundbot. I love Jameis Winston to death. Uh, up next though. D'Amico Ryans brings in a familiar face landing former 49er safety Jimmy Ward. And you know what? I, I wish I had uh, the years for you right here, but never filled that point in. So bad podcast host. There were about a million other signings I had to get to as well. So I hope you understand. Uh, Multiple years signing with the, the, the Texans, though. Despite what the record may tell you, the Texans actually have a solid young core in that secondary. They just drafted J Derek Stingley top five, and Jalen Petrie was better than the Texans even expected as a second rounder last year as well. Both of those guys being drafted in the 2022 draft. Uh, Jalen Petrie had five interceptions last year. Derek Stingley only had one, but he was banged up a lot of the year from what I understand. Add in a veteran who knows D'Amico Ryan's system like Jimmy Ward does, and all of a sudden, you got some holes to fill in the front seven, but the secondary actually looks really, really solid heading into 2023. Petrie and Ward combined last year for eight interceptions in 2022. Derek Stingley didn't put up the most impressive numbers and was banged up to end his rookie season, but having a pair of ball hawks on the back end is bound to put him in some better situations in year two. I think he has a good bounce back year, and that defense in in in. Houston is going to be a lot improved from what it was last season, almost by default with what they've added. Um, also, I hit on it a little bit later here, but 
free agent running back Jeff Wilson re-signing with the Dolphins on a two-year deal uh, with a max value of $8.2 million. Don't know what the guarantees are, but speculate on it later in the in the podcast with Raheem Mostert. Well, actually, yeah, we'll get to it. I think I, think I put a, a headline for Raheem Mostert, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, ha- adding Jeff Wilson back in there, big-time deal, probably means they're not going to draft somebody if I had to guess, but Raheem Mostert's on a one-year deal anyway, so that doesn't necessarily preclude them from drafting someone if they see uh, fit. But I digress. Texans still stink, but I think I, I fuck with D'Amico Ryan's vision. I, I didn't quite finish off that one. Jimmy Ward to the Texans, big-time addition down there in Houston. Up next, Seahawks land one of the top defensive tackles on the board, Draymond Jones, on a big-time deal. It's three years. $51 million guarantee. He'll get $23.5 million in year one and $35 million over the first two years of the contract, which, as we know, based on the patterns of this free agency period and free agency period past, Basically only a two-year deal, if I had to guess, when it's all said and done. Big area of need after they released Shelby Harris, and I think they released another uh, defensive lineman today as well. It just wasn't quite the most noteworthy name on the board. I'm not sure they, they could have got a much better replacement than Harris's former teammate, Draymond Jones. I mean, Jones and Harris had similar statistical profiles last year. Jones did play two less games, though, and not to mention... Draymond Jones is is younger than Harris was as well, or Harris is as well. They paid a they paid a pretty penny to bring him him in, but Jones is a solid upgrade in the middle to make Shelby Harris make the Shelby Harris release a little bit more palatable. And I got to get to this one right away because it just came across the timeline here. This is according to Adam Schefter. The Giants are trading for for Raiders tight end Darren Waller. I don't know what the pick compensation is, but that's a big time big time ad for the Giants. They didn't necessarily have a, a good. Um, tight end presence last year, a consistent receiving tight end presence last year, they will, with Darren Waller going forward, huge, huge addition for the Giants. They still need receivers, but Darren Waller is going to make basically sunshine and rainbows the job that Daniel Jones has going forward. He is going to make everything so much easier for that offense. Maybe not the biggest blocker in the world, but man, Darren Waller going to the New York Giants uh, away from the Raiders kind of diminishes what what the uh the, the Raiders have as far as weapons are concerned but we'll get to it in just a second I I don't think the Raiders are hurting for uh for, for receivers I will tell you that much right now uh up next though on the actual document proper the Bucks are trading guard Shaq Mason to the Texans basically just a pick swap uh Texans send a six Bucks get uh uh, Mason package with a seventh rounder. Uh, if you're drafting a smaller QB, short up the middle would make a lot of sense. Uh, and Shaq Mason is a solid guy to do that. That is, of course, assuming that Bryce Young ends up being uh, the guy at the number two pick there for the Texans. Bucks offense is not looking great right now, though. They might be they might be leader in the clubhouse right now for the number one overall pick going into the next year. Just an update on the Darren Waller compensation. It is pick number 100 in this year's draft. I think that's a fourth third rounder i can't quite remember um but it's the pick that they got for Kadarius tony so really they're just i mean uh, they're spending profits at this point they're not even spending the bottom line so good great deal from joe shane there to bring in an elite pass catching tight end darren waller all right and up next on the docket actually let me let me get a quick uh quick time check here and yep this unavoidably was going to be a long ass podcast here but i i digress here the longer i bloviate the longer it's going to be so might as well just keep her moving browns land former vikings defensive tackle dalvin tomlinson on a big deal it's four years 57 million dollars 27 and a half of that gay ron teed 
This one kind of hurts, I'm not even going to lie. Kwesi Dofo Mensa made no bodes about uh, wanting Tomlinson back in the building in the fold. We got a dearth of talent at defensive tackle, and, and Tomlinson was really the only high-quality guy we had in there. Uh, some guys stepped up for sure, but Tomlinson really stepped up in a big way that maybe was not totally expected last season. But... The Browns just had more room to make it happen. I mean, there's no way we could have ever given him this deal. Defensive tackle was an issue last year for the Vikings, and it looks like we're right back in the thick of it uh, this year with it being an issue this time around as well. Browns also signed defensive ta defensive end Ogbonia Okoronkwo. Proud of myself. Going to pat myself on the bat for just seamlessly pronouncing that one. But presumably... He's going to step in for Jadeveon Clowney, opposite of all-pro defensive end Miles Garrett. Not familiar, admittedly, with Okoronkwo's work. Got it the first time, couldn't quite get it the second time. Uh, so didn't make a big deal about it, but worth noting, if nothing else. They're picking up some good players in the front seven in Cleveland. Moving to the Colts, they land the Rams Pro Bowl kicker from last year, Matt Gay. And uh, Hot Rod didn't end up panning out, so... Why not bring in a pro bowler to see if he can uh, be the long-term solution? Not a flashy, uh, but a solid pickup uh, for the Colts. That that seems to be a theme for uh, for old uh, Chris Ballard over there. A lot of a lot of solid pickups for good value and not a whole lot of flash. That's kind of the the reason why he finds himself a little bit on the hot seat. So. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see how that all works out uh, with, with, uh, with oh, geez, I already forgot his name, Chris Ballard over there with the Colts, but good pickup at kicker. I think they'll, they'll be happy with what they get out of Matt Gay next season. Um, talking about the Raiders, once again, Jacoby Myers is the first wide receiver off the board, the expatriate pun intended there, will join the Raiders on a three-year, $33 million deal with $21 million guaranteed. Still ain't gonna, still ain't got an offensive line, but they keep adding weapons. Hey, maybe that'll fix the issues on its own. I mean, the offensive line, I cannot stress this enough, needs to be addressed, whether it's through free agency or through the draft. But they might have the best arsenal of weapons in the league right now with Devontae Adams, formerly Darren Waller, not there anymore now with the Giants, uh, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Mack Hollins, and now Jacoby Myers. They have three or four legitimate starting quality guys in the receiving core. I have no idea if they'll be able to to be better next year, given all the holes everywhere else on the roster. But they've got a quarterback, if, if he can stay healthy, big if there, behind that offensive line. And that QB has all the options in the world to throw to. This will be an important draft for them if they want to uh, to make the play make a playoff push next season. They got to get they got to hit on a lot of draft picks to become a quality team next year. I would imagine big time offseason there for McDaniel's and Co. I f forget for the life of me who the uh, who the, the the GM is over there with the Raiders. Certainly not still Mike Mayock, but eh, some other guy from the Patriots, I believe. I think Dave Ziegler. Yeah, I think it's Dave Ziegler over there with the Raiders. Big offseason for that guy in, in the draft room and in what whatever's left of free agency. They need, need, need offensive line. They need defensive talent desperately next season. Uh, up next, the Cowboys retain safety Donovan Wilson on a three-year, $24 million deal with $13.5 million of that gay Ron Teed. Uh, the Cowboys restructured a few big contracts. I think it was Dak Prescott, and I want to say Zach Mark Martin, maybe one more guy, uh, to get some flexibility for this very reason. Not necessarily specifically related to Donovan Wilson, but all the Cowboys free agents who could be re-signing with the team. They lost out on Connor McGovern, but kept an integral part of the defense with Donovan Wilson. Yet to be seen where guys like Dalton Schultz, Leighton Van Der Esch, and others will end up. But 
I anticipate the Cowboys to make a hard push to keep as many of those uh, key contributors as possible with the space that they created restructuring those deals. Donovan Wilson is just the first domino in that. Expect to see more signings like this going forward for the Cowboys. They have a very good roster. They just need to keep it together as best they can. Uh, up next, the Jets. Loaded up with sweeteners for Aaron Rodgers with bringing in some buddies as we still await Rodgers' decision. Alan Lazard is nearing a deal. Update when it gets done. I'll update the, the numbers at the very least. And uh, Randall Cobb appears to be on the radar as well for the Jets. Lazard will be a key addition to the receiving core that probably needed one more guy in it anyways, so can't complain with adding a guy like Lazard. Just based on his physical skill set, I'd imagine he slots in as the wide receiver, The obviously a wide receiver, but he is the Y receiver opposite of Garrett Wilson, who's going to be playing the number one over there. Uh, while Elijah Moore does what he does best working out of the slot, I think that's a good uh, move there. I think it really works well with how the offense is built to add Al. Al Lazard. Uh, as for Randall Cobb, I mean, expect a third down package if and when Rodgers is the QB, but ultimately this is an appeasement move more than anything else. Rodgers loves Cobb and has years of built-in chemistry in the move the stick sort of situation, so yes, it does help on the field to a certain extent, but ultimately the Jets want to keep Rodgers happy and adding Cobb and Lazard is a solid way to do it. We said, I said before, alluded to it there with Diana Rossini's tweet, these are two of the, I think, four guys that Aaron Rodgers had on his list of free agents. He, free agents he wanted them to go after. So that'll just about do it there uh, on that one. Hey, we have gotten, I mean, in reasonable amount of time. I think it kept it under two hours here uh, as of right now. Hey, under 150 minutes or an hour and 50 minutes at this point. It's going to get over that with the outro, but... There we are. There is the updated list of free agents to this point. Uh, and that is all for this episode. I'll have more for you on either Thursday evening or Friday morning. But I'll tell you what, that's all we got right now here, folks. If you enjoyed, subscribe, leave a five-star rating so we can grow this bad boy a little bit. If you didn't enjoy it, take that opinion to the grave and tell people you loved it anyways. I got, I just got you the whole free agency picture like that. I mean, I didn't hit all the free agents because not all of them are worth noting here, but I got you 90% of the moves on the board right here in just a quick hour, 50 minutes or so. Sorry to anyone who has to listen to this in, in multiple segments. I know it just, you know, you can only go through 18 pages so fast. It, it is what it is, but I digress. I release two episodes a week, one on Tuesday, one on Thursday during the offseason. Really no telling what either episode will end up entailing, so could be good, could be terrible. you got to tune in to find out, though, and that's the whole trick of the thing. Uh, follow me on all my socials at Kayla Verzak. Link will be in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern Block name. And if you want to contact the show, either shoot me a DM on Twitter, I'll probably be more responsive that way, or email me at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. That is unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put business or show in all caps to start the subject line so you can be categorized accordingly. And with that, we are done here. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. And as always, I got no clue what I'm talking about, but I'll tell you one thing I learned this past week. Fun fact, peanuts are not actually nuts. They are legumes. And with that, I will leave you until either Thursday night or Friday morning. Just kind of depends on when I get that thing out. See y'all.